The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with a return guest, and uh, he's he's going to return again and again and again. His uh, Market Connections produces a lot of great stuff for our market. Aaron Heffron, president of Market Connections. Welcome back to the show, man. Thanks, Mark. It's good to have you. Uh, so for the three people out there who may not understand what Market Connections brings to the market – uh, tell them who you are, what you do, uh, and and you know run run through the uh, the short list of the studies. Sure, thanks, Mark. And Mark Connections, we've been around for it's been thirty plus years now. As we've gone through with a real focus on the public sector market, and our efforts are to really gather the information and present it to our clients and our customers so that they can make intelligent decisions about how and where they do their marketing. And that could be how in the types of information they're trying to gather and trying to present, um, or where they are trying to put it out there so that it hits the greatest number of eyeballs, ears, and what's exactly. So it's about what, you know, we try to help them figure out what to say and where to say it uh, is really what we do. And We've done that a couple different ways. Some of our clients are very specific where we work with them uh, to identify some very niche audiences. Other ones, we help produce some studies that a lot of different companies use out there, like some of the ones I think we're going to talk about today, that focus on the overall media. We've been doing a media study for the past 11 years focused on media consumption habits, radio, TV, print, when it was still a thing. It and frankly, still is a thing uh, I, to some I extent. Newspapers delivered. There you go, and uh, and digital, uh, and social media, uh, all of those. So we do that annually. We also do a number of studies on content. What kind of content marketing should you be doing, and what should you be including in that, and how does that connect to the sales cycle, and understand how can marketing support business development, and frankly, vice versa. Okay, so. Um so we're going to be talking about the federal media and marketing study uh, for 2019, but you also do an annual content marketing study. Um, yeah, the content study is, is every other year yeah. uh, that we do, and that looks at what types of pieces of content do folks really use. You know, Are they using white papers? Are they reading them? Are they looking at infographics? Are they listening to podcasts? Are they watching video on YouTube? What are the different ways you as a marketer or as a company in general can get your information to a potential customer in the most efficient and effective way possible? Yeah, and I love tracking the the growth and uh, shrinkage on each of the market or content marketing tools yeah. uh, from year to year. And I, I go back occasionally to the first one and some of the forms of content now weren't there. Right. Well, it's funny. Way back when, we used to call them uh, social media platforms. We didn't even really have a name for social media. They were, you know, peer-to-peer discussion groups Mice and things like that that uh, that we had in there. And yes, it is it has come a long way. 
Indeed. So, um, again, we're going to focus on the federal media marketing study. And if we have time towards the end, we'll also get into uh, the webinar that you just recently did on social media usage by uh, Fed. So um, one of the things that apparently confused a few people in the market was, you know, the the job functions that you had uh, as a, a basis for this literally ran the gamut. And I'm assuming that's because this this study does not focus on any particular uh, uh, vertical. It focuses on the media grazing habits of everyday feds up and down the food chain. Sure, yeah. The purpose of this study that we've been doing now is to really look at the federal marketplace as a whole. And the federal marketplace is huge. And there are lots of products from airplanes to copiers to uh, other types of consumables that are purchased out there. And there are companies that spend millions and billions of dollars trying to get those things in their hands. So the idea of our study as a whole was to cast a broad net, uh, make sure that we were looking both inside the D.C. metro area and outside the D.C. metro area. A great number of the overall market is way outside the D.C. area. And... We made sure that we uh, cast a broad net as far as their level of decision-making because we wanted not only the people who signed on the bottom line, which are the few, but there are the many who influence that process by saying, hey, I like X company or I want to make sure that this product that we need can do X, Y, and Z and develop those specifications. So all of these individuals need to be touched by marketing in some fashion Uh, throughout the year because they do have some influence in the buying process. Uh, They may be a user of technology who will say, I need to be able to do this. I need to be able to do X. I need to be able to do Y. Or they may be somebody who's making the final decision and setting the direct overall goals and saying, we're going to be migrating from uh, on-prem type of situations to more cloud-based situations. So there's a lot that we wanted, that we covered, and we cast a broad net accordingly. Yeah, and, and the media consumed during the workday reflects that. So we're talking traditional media, TV, radio, uh, satellite radio, podcasts, uh, national publications, local publications, uh, primarily newspapers, uh, <clears throat> digital newspapers, and Social media. And social media, yeah. No, the this year was a little bit different in the view we took of media. You know, traditionally we've said and we've asked, what do you read? What do you look at? What do you listen to? And this year we said, let's drill down a little bit more because there is so much coming at us during the day. There's so much information that you get bombarded with, whether you're leaning in to find it or you're leaning back and just having it wash over you. Uh, you're getting covered in information throughout the day. So we wanted to make sure that we looked at the time of day to be able to measure those ebbs and flows of what happened, knowing that there are times you can more effectively reach someone via s- certain types of media right. than other parts of the day. Right. And and your, your, uh, your statement there just triggered a thought. You know, I wonder how many different information touches – the average human being in Washington, D.C. has on a daily basis? Oh, it's, it's infinite. You yeah. are constantly 
being inundated with something, whether it's you're driving by a sign and you don't even realize that you read it, which Bumper is a stickers. big part, which is a big part of that, to the coffee mug that's sitting on your desk that you were given at a conference uh, that is hitting you with the logo of another company. Right. It's all over the place. It, it is. So let's start with the uh, the alarm goes off the day begins. Sure. We start our day, and, and the, the information we gathered is wasn't something we necessarily gathered. It was from a radio industry study uh, that was really hearkening a little bit of an alarm to the radio industry, for that matter, in that there was a big shift in that people aren't being woken up as much now by their clock radios as they were before. They have their phones going off. So, you know, we're, we're sitting here in a radio studio, uh, but there are a number of times where they wake up and it is just the chime of their ringtone and not the news and weather uh, for the seven minutes uh, that you get in between your snoozes. Right. So, yeah, I mean, my children, uh, 26 and 22, uh, don't have clocks in their bedrooms. I mean, one, one of them lives at home, one of them's been out for several years. Yeah, uh, the the clock industry ra- uh, industry has suffered under some of the similar uh, issues that the uh, point-and-shoot camera industry went through 10 years ago. Um, the phones, when phones came out with the cameras on them, it killed the point-and-shoot industry. Uh, it just went into a nosedive. Nowadays, you know, you see similar things with regard to clock radios. And we saw some point-and-click diehards, uh, unnamed companies, uh, that, that just did not believe that the quality of phones would get to where it's gotten. That's it. Um, so, um, so we have, uh, uh, you know, I, I still have a clock, but it just buzzes, just irritates the hell out of me. But that's what I wanted to do because I need to get up. I need to get up, sure. No, it's, it's interesting. The mornings are an interesting time uh, because in the mornings, even after you wake up, as you are getting ready to go to work, leave, getting kids ready, uh, getting yourself ready, uh, we found that that is one time of day where there's a lot of equality across different types of media that hit you. So you are hearing radio. You may have the TV on at the same time. You've got your social media feed that you're checking when you wake up in the morning. Uh, there's a lot going on right that year, uh, this time of the day. Um, it's not as centralized as other parts of the day are. Right. But overall, we still found, you know, this year was a little different. We found things like cable news jumping up higher on the list uh, than we have in the past. Local news, still a major player. Uh, but this year, the uh, the CNN and Fox Newses that are covering national uh, areas jumped up a little bit more than they have in the past. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if that's going to hold due to the current political climate, or if people are going to become much more interested in local stuff. Well, what's interesting is is that because eighty eighty percent of the federal market is outside of the D.C. area, right? Uh, is that this is the source for them to get national news. And as we go through an election year, uh, that always keeps the national attention a little bit higher. So I see that continuing through 2020. Uh, and, you know, who knows where it goes from there. Yeah. Um, I, I live closer to Baltimore, so I watch the, the Baltimore station. Sure. So, um, but so uh, getting off to, you know, let's, we're going to take a break. 
Um, you're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio. I'm here with Aaron Heffron of Market Connections. You can find their studies at marketconnectionsinc.com. Um, I don't know if you can get the slides for the the webinar or not, or you have to attend or. You get them by attending our events, yeah. uh, but there are other ways to get this, the uh, information right. from our website. So, but, I mean, all of these things are incredibly valuable to anybody involved in marketing to the government. Anyway, um, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Aaron and I shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Aaron Heffron of Mark Connections. MarketConnectionsInc.com. You can find Aaron on LinkedIn. Um, We'll be talking a little bit about social later on, maybe, if we get there. Um, So uh, going to work. Yeah, going to work, you know, it's one of the few times during the day, uh, both going to and coming home from work, uh, that you're a real captive audience. Uh, Overwhelmingly, it's still a drive-by-myself crowd, uh, especially once you get outside the D.C. area. D.C. Yeah. area still has a pretty high presence in social media, uh, I'm sorry, in uh, um, public transportation, taking the so metro, much, yeah. taking the bus, yeah. uh, those sorts of things. is high there, but overwhelmingly still, you are a captive audience, and that's reflected in the type of media. You can't be engaged in doing searches and hunting around, or at least you shouldn't, while you're driving uh, and we're not alone, here to encourage you to do that. <laughs> so the but what we found is that that's the radio time, right? AM, FM radio, satellite radio, uh, that's the listening time of the day, and you're going to hit it. And the the top of the list uh, in the DC metro area is still WTOP. Everybody needs um, that traffic, man. The traffic, I get my traffic, I get my weather, uh, and you go from there. The um, the ears on that are still significantly higher. Uh, but you've, you're seeing a lot more in the streaming stations as well. Uh, the streaming, going to the websites, uh, streaming it over their devices as they go. They may be on the bus. They may be in a carpool, mm-hmm. uh, and they're streaming. You're seeing the streaming radio, uh, Fed News Radio up higher, and TOP as well. So it's really a, a good uh, – that's the good time to, to be on the radio. Yeah, I, I, uh, I actually listen to Tom Temin uh, when I'm driving in the morning. Because uh, he has the federal drive time show for Federal News Radio, and uh, you know, there's always something of interest for me. Yeah, I will say, you know, NPR, the uh, WAMU, uh, has increased yep. uh, over the years too. That has grown in the market. I've known a lot of people that listen to that. Yeah, WAMU has especially benefited uh, a number of years back when WETA switched to classical only, away from news. I listened to that too. That really centralized the news talk audience to WAMU. Yeah. Uh, so they've jumped up. Uh, the gap between TOP and AMU isn't as huge as it once was, uh, but those two are still at the top of the heap. Yeah. Um, not surprised, but I, I, I was – Indicating that I listen to the classical station, not necessarily to AM. I see. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I find that classical music makes me calmer when I drive, which is a good thing. It probably is, yes. <laughs> uh, so getting to the office, what do feds do once they're there? Yeah, this is one of the big questions that we often hear from our clients is, well, they get to the office, aren't they – all going in and are kind of in a in lockdown uh, for all intents and purposes. They're, you know, all these feds are going into secure settings. They can't 
use their mobile devices. They can't access uh, different sites on the uh, on the computer. Well, what we found is that there was about the quarter of the individuals that were going into SCIFs or other secure settings where there were limitations on personal device usage. And often personal devices, your cell phone, tablets, whatever it may be, were a vehicle marketers were using to get through some firewalls. Uh, And frankly, the employees themselves were using it in order to access some information that maybe their filters and such at work were preventing them. So they were using those. But we did find that there is a large, large number out there that are still using their personal devices. They are still allowed to use their personal devices. And in the recent social media study we did, uh, we also found that uh, there were not real strict policies on accessing social media in most of the agencies. They could still go on their personal devices and access social media. And there was a large number that could still access social media through their work devices. Right. There were not the barriers as much as we once think, once thought they were. Okay. So um, entering the workplace, basically the same thing. We have uh, traditional office space, shared office. Yeah, they're going into the traditional offices. There is still a telework crowd out there. Um, There's not the bullpen type settings that we thought. But once you're at work, uh, the best way and the the greatest way that individuals are getting their information is through those digital digital publications, uh, websites. You think of the govexecs.coms, the federaltimes.com. Those are really among the federally oriented publications uh, really on top. You know, that's where they're going uh, to get their information on a regular basis. There is still a large number that, you know, if you want to reach pure eyeballs, you go for the weather. You know, the weather.com and AccuWeather, between those two, that's about 80% of the eyeballs out there on a day. Right. Now, there's but a there, lot of competition. Be, yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, money involved in that too. Yeah, so, you know, it's really, when I talk to folks about what they want to do and how they want to participate with these digital publications. I ask them about what they want to accomplish uh, with their digital planning. Is it you just want people to be aware that you exist and have the name have some familiarity when it comes across their desk? Or do you want them to understand a little bit more about what your product or service or company is about? Uh, Those are two different, potentially two different things and you approach them a little differently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes me back, you know, uh, 25, 30 years, people would call me and say, you know, that guy from the Washington Post called, they want me to advertise in the sports section. I would say, no, if you're going to advertise in the Post, put your ad next to Mike Cossie's column, because that's going to get more federal eyeballs than any anywhere else. So, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's a tough decision. We get a lot of clients that ask us about, hey, should we just be in some of these more mainstream Uh, high eyeball publications. And we don't necessarily say no right away. Uh, We sit down and say, all right, but what what do you hope to accomplish and what are you going to get per dollar you're spending on those? Because there is is something to be said, hey, we have the credibility that we're going to be in these publications. Uh, But on the flip side, uh, if you're really trying to drill down and make sure that folks know you, uh, you want to be where they're most attentive um, and are seeking information. when they go through the day, uh, there's a lot of ups and downs uh, as far as what they're reading. 
you know, they're busy going back and forth. Lunch, we found, is one of those times where they uh, take a break. Yeah. And so let's talk about lunch. Yeah. So in, in taking their break, it's the search on social media. Right. That seems to be where the surge happens. Now, whether that is I'm just checking in, see what recipes I'm going to make for dinner tonight, uh, see what my aunt and uncle are doing uh, this coming weekend, check on my kid's Instagram account, or uh, it's that they're actually doing some social media on LinkedIn, uh, doing a little networking, uh, reaching out to some other individuals. Uh, there's a, a mix there, but you really do have the surge of presence on social media during lunch. It's about one out of five are on social media during the lunch time frame. So if you're going to time your marketing and to have some presence on social media, lunchtime's not a bad time to do it. Okay, cool. So um, let's let's talk about the uh, the drive home. What's difference between yeah, the drive home and the drive to? You know, the drive home, we found that the radio listening is a little bit less. Uh, the still need I, that traffic. You still need the traffic, but I guess people aren't as worried about getting home as they are as getting. They don't want to be late for work, right? Um, as they go, so they take a little bit of a step back. It's still predominant. Radio is still the way to reach people on the drive home. But one thing that we did see is that there's a little bit more passive listening going on, and that's where we see something like podcasts can play more of a role. Podcasts. Um, have increasingly uh, been uh, cited as effective ways to get information across. We've found it in other studies, uh, especially among younger audiences, uh, especially among technical audiences. Uh, They are the ones that are possibly listening to those. And a large number are listening to work-related podcasts or work-adjacent podcasts, as I'll say, where maybe they are tech podcasts or a news and politics podcast where it's useful information to know for work. Maybe it's not a company or a vendor you're listening to, but they're learning of that stuff as you go along. And, you know, they're spending a third of their time listening. A third of their podcast time is on those work-related podcasts. It's a way to get to people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because uh, I'm approaching year 14 on the radio, but nobody listens to me live, at least nobody I know. I don't. Um, or when the show airs, I'm never live. But I, for for years, people have have said, you know, I was just listening to your podcast the other day, and I'm going, it's not Monday, um, so you know, they they pick and choose the ones they want, they download them, they listen to them, then they call and ask questions. Yeah, it's well, it's it's the model of media this consumption will be the one now. Call us about now. Sure, it's it's the model of media consumption that you have now. Nothing is time bound anymore, whether it be video or audio. People want to be able to listen to or watch what they want to at the time that is convenient to them or when they actually want it or need it. We found that with audio. We found that with video. Um, We have seen the surge and increase in the use of things like Netflix and Amazon Prime. Uh, Feds go to those. They watch those. We all stream, especially at night. Um, That's when you're doing it. But those are going to increasingly be ways to get to people from an advertising perspective. Um, I don't care what anybody thinks. Eventually, advertisements are going to come to Amazon Prime and, and Netflix in some fashion, whether it be some tier. More. Right. It's going to be a tier yeah. that you can get, you know, kind of like Hulu or um, Pandora has done uh, on the audio side. And 
those advertisements, and, and we found that people are hearing those advertisements now on even things like podcasts. We asked them, right. do they listen to these ads? And many do. Uh, we were actually, frankly, a little surprised that many do listen to those uh, ads along the way, whether it's because they're driving and they can't easily skip them, uh, or they just don't, uh, they don't want to, they get engaged in the ad, maybe they're a little annoyed, it's interruption, but then they get involved in the content of the ad and they're fine with it. Yeah, I've, I've recorded a number of podcasts with other people, and when they air, oftentimes, you know, we take a very brief break in the middle, and that brief break is so they can insert a sponsor ad. Um, Sure. Sure. It's a way. You've got an attentive audience uh, that's listening and is intent on it, and they uh, they definitely want to get that information or are willing to absorb it. Okay. I'm going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Aaron Heffron right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Aaron Heffron of Market Connections. We're talking about the Federal Media and Marketing Study for 2019, just recently released. And uh, we're, we're now past the uh, – anything else you want to talk about on the drive time home and podcasts or – no, I, I think that you know podcasts are always interesting. If you would have told me ten, you know, five years ago, podcasts would be hot and heavy right now, I would have called you a liar uh, because it was dying and it was a surge when the iPhones first came out, and it dipped, and now it's back. And I think it's a, a very effective way uh, of reaching audiences nowadays. It's a very effective way of putting out bite-sized chunks or longer chunks, and you have your choice of you know. Lord knows how many topics. Yeah, there's a library out there, and everybody can go. We initially started to try to ask about which podcast do you listen to. No. And as we started that laundry <laughs> list, we just realized it was, uh, it was too long. Way too long. So um, in the evening at home, what are the biggies? Yeah, it, I mean, that is your time of, of huge media consumption. The feds, every media property out there is consumption increases in the evening. That's the time everybody takes the mental or physical break from work and they're consuming. That's where video jumps. Uh, cable TV goes way up. Uh, they're still watching that. They're reading publications. Yes, actual print publications. They're still reading those as we go. It's still a Washington Post, but you do have a large number reading USA Today. I come back to uh, you have 80% of the audience, of the federal audience, that is outside the D.C. area. Uh, they're making decisions. They're reading things. And USA Today has that broad appeal, whether they're just reading it as pass-along, which very well could be, uh, or at their motels, um, they can do that. So you've got, you've got that print publications jumping up. Right. But, you know, in, in USA Today, they still have the model of short Story. It's short bites. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's always been that way. It's the quick and easy. I can get my headlines, you know, my enhanced headlines almost right. to that extent right. as you're reading those. But people's eyes are on it. They're flipping through it. It's in color. Uh, it's attractive. You know, that's the, that's the big hook. Um, the federal publications are farther and fewer between now that actually still have print. Uh, in their repertoire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of those and many of those have migrated over 
uh, migrated over to digital only at this okay. point. Um, so you you had uh, another part of the study that I found quite interesting. What keeps them up at night? Um, that was that was. New. Yeah, this is this is a little bit new this year, and this is an acknowledgement that something we've always said, where the feds are people too, and when you're marketing to individuals, even if you're marketing to them a, about decisions they're making at work, their personal view on things and their personal worldviews at that moment and hopes and fears are still affecting their decisions about what they're buying and who they're going to work with. So we found things that are keeping people up at night, especially now, employee morale is at, at a quite a low uh, right at this moment, especially in civilian agencies, federal civilian agencies. Uh, folks are worried about upcoming retirements of colleagues, the migration uh, of, you know, they're going to be promoted, potentially promoted into positions, which is a good thing in some cases, but they're worried about the responsibilities they're going to have to take on. Uh, being promoted maybe a little ahead of when they're actually ready to because of the retirements that are coming, because of turnover, employee turnover, of uh, moving from a federal job into the com- into the commercial world. Right. Uh, they have that sort of turnover. So there's a lot of concern and worry. So we said as you are thinking about the content of what you are saying on the radio, in a podcast, uh, in digital print, thinking about what's keeping those individuals up at night – we always used to think it was the budget, that they were worried about the budget. Uh, were they going to have enough dollars to spend at work the next day? And, and that's still important. And many do still concern about that. But what's happening at home and what motivates you to come to work every day? The more you can address that in your marketing, you're going to connect with those people personally a lot more, a lot more strongly than you would uh, just by trying to make the case that this is going to help your bottom line. Yeah, and 26% responded uh, to uh, the shutdown. Yeah, I mean, the shutdown still has lingering effects uh, out there. There's a concern over it. I think it did rattle some folks at the beginning of this past year. Rattled a lot of small businesses, that's for sure. It did, it did. And I think that still is sitting in the back and contributed to what was already a trend of concern and worry that I think just kind of turned it up to 11 a little bit. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, you had another another part of the study that addressed uh, time spent on an average workday on various types of, uh, of information. Yeah, it's one thing to look at the media and do a quick read, but what you really want to know is the amount of time that they're spending on certain types of media. Uh, you know... Yes, it's one thing to glance at the headlines of the newspaper. But, yeah, you look at it for two or three minutes and you set it down. Something else uh, we found that the news content online especially is garnering a longer attention span. Uh, We had nearly uh, over half of the individuals spending 15 minutes or more reading the news online. So that's intensive time where they're reading specific things. And that's 15 minutes or more. It could be half an hour or an hour of spending that. The same thing with watching news and TV programs. They're spending 15 minutes or more of their time on that. So if you want to have the best chance of getting in front of somebody, some of those things, some of those areas, radio, TV, and that news content, connecting with the news is still good ways to uh, ensure that you may get to some folks. Okay. So um, so let's talk about some 
go-to sources? Yeah, the the go-to sources was something a little bit new this year that we focused on was we took all of those different publications that they read, and I use the term publications to talk both about print publications and digital-only publications, and say, all right, you you need one go-to source. You had questions, you're trying to follow something, where's your go-to source with respect to general media? And in general media, it was Fox News, uh, was a go-to source, they chose one, uh, and then followed by the Washington Post, which was a combination of both the print side and the digital side. I mean, we can't ignore the footprint uh, that you have with both of those. The one on the federal side, though, was interesting of looking at the go-to, and the go-to was really government exec. Government executives is top of the list uh, as far as the regular regular federal publications along the way, but there was a large number that treated GovExec as their go-to. If you were to look at this for a group, as we often do, someone like Defense or folks who are in the Army, you will see those publications like Army Times, Defense News, uh, Federal Times, those... jump up that list. Right. Uh, GovExec goes way down. GovExec very strong in the civilian space, a little less in the defense area. Right. I mean, but yeah, you have Army Times, Air Force Times, Navy Times, so each of the service has its own component, really. Yeah, and one of the things to note is some of these publications, some of the publications we found were more focused on some of the personal needs of individuals as federal employees. Mm-hmm. How does their retirement plans work? What kind of choices do they need to be making for health care? Uh, where should they be putting their dollars uh, as far as investing? Uh, many of the publications that we saw pop up and have more familiarity this year talked a lot about those real personal issues that the employees had as opposed to a work issue where, hey, this agency is migrating over to this or here's some new policies in the Defense Department. Okay. Uh, we're going to take our last break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Aaron to uh, wrap up on the Federal Media and Marketing Study 2019 right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. Again, I'm here with Aaron Heffron. Look for Aaron on LinkedIn. That's two Fs, uh, Heffron. Uh, and marketconnectionsinc.com. They they host a couple of events every year, and if you want the overview slides for those events, you, you have to show up at the events. Uh, same thing with the webinars. They do a lot of webinars now. So I strongly – I've been using Market Connection stuff uh, since Lisa started the company 26 years ago, and, um, you know, it's it's just extraordinary, uh, uh, extraordinarily useful for anybody in marketing for, uh, to to the public sector. So, Aaron, and, and that leads to our our next topic: trusted sources of information for for the feds. So everybody has information now. Who's on top? Yeah, it's this is a question that we increasingly get of we're, you know, markers will come and say, well, we've put a lot of information out there. And we wonder, are people actually, how are people reading this information? Are they trusting what we're putting out there? And this year, uh, we asked them specifically about what do they, what do the feds trust as far as when they read it? What are they thinking? 
And kind of two things popped out in this. One is the increasing role of professional associations and trade associations out there as the arbiters of information. Uh, they're, the reports that come out from them, the events that are being put on, all of those are being seen as uh, a more trusted vehicle. They don't have a, necessarily have a dog in the fight. Uh, so the feds are going to those and saying, hey, I'm going to go to this event or I'm going to listen to uh, this you know, podcast that this association is doing. I'm going to trust that information. The other side of though that, that kind of alarmed us a little bit was the level of trust that they have in the information that are actually coming out from government contractors. That drops. That drops. That, that is down low. So an equal number of people trust and distrust the information that the government contractors themselves are putting out there. You've got a lot of people in that muddy middle where there's like, well, I'm going to trust but verify this information that I'm getting from the contractors. And my concern is that that increasingly begins to go the other direction, right. is that the, we found the more sales-type focus that you have in there, the less likely they are to trust that information. I mean, and you know, you got to advertise. you got to put your information out there. But what you need to do is continue to build that trust as a contractor that you're a straight shooter, that you're going to give them the information and tell them what it is and what it isn't. Uh, and they can trust that you are not just trying to blow smoke and get them to buy your product, that you're right. actually so, providing them good information. Yeah, so if, if, if you know, I get calls, uh, should I do a bod, uh, podcast, should I do a blog? And this is from contractors, obviously. And, you know, my my response is, you know, number one, are you committed to this form of of, uh, of content marketing? And number two, are, are you using it as a sales tool or as a content tool? Because they're two very different things. Yeah, and that was one of the big things in our content study that we did earlier in 2019 was a big concern in saying if you're going to do a podcast, you're going to do these white papers or other sorts of content, kill the sales side of it. Use them as a pure informative piece to get that information out there. The more it sounds like they're being sold to, the more those individuals start down. And we all know this, but the desire to put yourself in the best light possible is often too much of a siren song uh, for some of these folks. Uh, they want to make sure that gets along. And what we do tell folks then is, if you, if you tend to you know, go that direction, get yourself a partner. You know, Work with the low, your, your trade association, work with your professional association, sit down together with them and do something jointly and kind of bask in that little bit of a halo uh, right. that comes from the trust that they have in those associations. Right. So it appears to be vendor agnostic. Yes. Or hopefully actually is vendor agnostic. Right. So let's, let's uh, take a dive into events because these have been the lifeblood of our market forever, online, offline. But, you know, uh, live events, one of the reasons I, I go to your stuff is not simply the information, but the actual physical networking. Yeah, no, the networking is a huge part of this. Although we found that the federal employees themselves uh, care a little less about the networking right. than they do the content. Right. Uh, because it's tough for them to sell the expense 
to their bosses and to their agencies to say, hey, I need to go to this event to network. Right. Uh, what they go, need to say is I need to you go there. Continuing professional education credits for networking. Right. So, but, you know, that could be a nice side benefit is that they see these colleagues, they learn what's going on elsewhere. But learning what's going on elsewhere is the key part of that networking to them is that they're trying to get that information of other examples that are happening it's also events, and I mentioned about the trust aspect of rebuilding that trust that they have in the information the vendors provide. Events are a great vehicle to begin to rebuild that trusted partner status that you have as a vendor, that you're providing some information, you're giving them the varnished, unvarnished view of what's going on out there, you're helping them solve their particular problem, and then in turn, they may turn around and call you later, which is what you hope. But in the end, they're seeing, they will then see the information coming from you outside of those events with a little more credibility because they put a face to it. Right. Being a sponsor at an event isn't as valuable as being a speaker or having a content particular role at the event. Right. Uh, but oftentimes they're related. They are related and there is much more pay to play um, going on out there. Um, but you've got to evaluate that. You've got to evaluate what is it worth it to you, and what are you actually trying to get across uh, by spending this money? Yep. Um, the other great events um, that are less expensive, easier to put on, and can be really focused in on something very uh, discreet is, are the webinars. Right. And we have found the use of webinars. I mean, we personally have used webinars more this past year than we ever have uh, to get information across. I noticed. Yes, so and I appreciate it. So we're we're putting more of that information out there, uh, bringing in partners to talk about things uh, and go through that in a way that is really getting more information out there. It's easy, and what we found in the recent studies is that folks, while there are still a large number of people listening to webinars when they happen, the nice thing about a webinar it's like you've almost created a podcast for all intents and purposes, because they time shift it to whenever is most convenient to them. Right. We found that there are people listening to webinars on the weekends, on the, in the evenings. Uh, they may be West Coast. So you do a webinar at 2, they can't listen to it at 11 their time, so they shift it and listen to it later. Uh, there are a large number of people that are kind of moving that around as they wish. Yeah, and, and you know, you've probably participated in several other people's webinars. Uh, you know, when I do... The time ranges from literally 8 in the morning to 4 or 5 in the afternoon, depending on where they are. Yeah, we still, try, we still highly recommend uh, that you try to get your webinars somewhere in that 10 to 2 local time right. uh, type of window. So thinking about where your real target audience, you know, where a majority of your target audience sits, uh, we, try, we recommend fitting it in that. But... If you can't do it, then you know that having it sit on your site is uh, definitely still a way to go. Yep. Okay. So um, uh, what, what about webinar uh, actual participation stats? Are those? You know, more people are attending them. They're listening to them. We've seen growth in our webinars over the past year. Um, they're attending them listening to them live, as, as I mentioned, they're listening to them all around the day. Okay. You know, it's an effective me mechanism to get the information out there. Okay. Let's talk about your, your takeaways from this particular study. Yeah. So it's, it's really about 
you know, what we came out of this study from, uh, really talking about is maximizing that journey that the folks have through the day uh, of, you know, there's a lot of different touch points throughout the day and we all have limited resources. We have limited marketing dollars. Uh, so it's a matter of trying to put the money toward the, the media source that is going to have the greatest bang for the buck at that particular time of day. It's not enough to just say, I want to be on this media to the extent that you can dictate a time of day to be on that media can actually improve your, your presence even more as you go. The other uh, thing we wanted, I wanted to get across is the message about appealing to those kind of personal concerns and issues that individuals have when you're marketing to them. You may be marketing to them about the new computer system or a new copier or whatever they have at work, but the more you can talk to them about their own personal concerns or allay those fears. Maybe it's not something so direct as, hey, this will make everyone in your office feel better, but something where you can discuss about the issues and how it makes things work a little better, appeal to those personal concerns, those values individuals have to feel comfortable, to feel secure in their decision-making. That's going to only help uh, as you go along from a content perspective. The partnerships, as I mentioned, are important. Um, All of us have goods and bads that come with our companies, um, ups and downs that we've had over time. But the more that you can partner and uh, connect with those other trusted sources out there, whether it be uh, professional associations, whether it be general uh, media, federally focused media uh, that has a high trust level, to sit and work with those folks that's the best way to try to connect and get the uh, the best bang for your buck. Cool. So, uh, final thoughts? You know, I think it's important for all federal marketers to think about uh, how their marketing, how their company is marketing to the federal and the public sector market in general a little bit and differently than they are in more the B2B or the commercial side of the world. And where we have found the most effectiveness in using some of the stats and information from our studies is when you sit in those companies that have a large commercial presence as well. And you're trying to justify and say, hey, we need to do our marketing a little bit different in the federal space. Uh, that this information is one of those things that we've found that is great. Drop on their desk and say, look, federal market's just a little different. I mean, we all know it who have been in the space for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the folks sitting at HQ, who are the global marketers or the co- you know commercial marketers, they don't necessarily see it the same way. Uh, so you just can't throw a flag on something and make right. it a federal, yeah. a federal audience. And it, I, th- I think it's compounded when that is a publicly traded company not based in D.C. Certainly. Um, enough said there. So Aaron Heffron, thank you very much. Aaron is the president of Mark Connections. You can find him on LinkedIn. You can find him at uh, marketconnectionsinc.com. Again, I've been relying on these studies since since Lisa started chonking them out. And the co- her companies have been around. Aaron's president, Lisa's the founder, Lisa DeZuti. Uh, they've been around for 26 years now uh, producing this stuff. And it's just absolutely critical for anybody in public sector marketing to uh, to 
participate in these. And now that they're doing webinars, if you're not in D.C. or if you can't take the time out of your office, participate in the webinars. These things are absolutely cool. Aaron, again, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Mark. This is not my day job. I advise companies on all aspects of social networking to the government, a topic we did not get to today. So Maybe next time. Next, and, and next time won't be that far down the road. Um, so if you need help, particularly on LinkedIn, social selling, uh, account-based marketing via social selling uh, and lead generation, um, we need to talk. So drop me a line at mark at federaldirect.net. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.